Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Just what do you care about? Like, you care about winning, you care about putting up banners, then everybody, you don't really have to say much when you show up every day. Uh, when we were in Houston, game six, I think Draymond talked about it too, like, it was kind of quiet around the shoot-around and in the locker room, and he knew that meant we were, we were locked in, ready to go for that challenge. It wasn't anybody having to go in and, you know, make a speech before the practice or before a game, like, all right, let's block out the noise, guys. <laughs> Not listen to anybody. And like nobody has to say that. It's like we just show up and play basketball. We're gonna bring y'all to our huddle. You are in Norris Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus or Maxime today, but it brings me a huge amount of pleasure to announce rejoining me for the first time in actually what feels like hell of long. The beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle and a man who attends every single Warriors practice, press conference, shoot-around, and playoff game, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? It's good. Uh, you know, I appreciate the venue tonight. Um, we are in <laughs> Bram's car. It's just so uh, shady. You know, we've done, your cold, <laughs> we've done your cold garage before. We've done... A lot of sketchy venues. This has to be near the top. So Connor and I are grabbing a drink. We start talking Warriors. Immediately recognize that the information he's given me is gold. I tell him we need to record. We have nowhere to record, so we shoot out into this car. And now it could not be more awkward. I mean, I'm just going to say it could not be more awkward. We're sitting hell of close to one another. There's people walking by. So if you hear honking, background noise, it is what it is. Connor, I thought it'd make you feel at home. There's no decorations in my car, much like your house. This doesn't make you feel good or... Um, no, it uh, it makes me feel right at home. So I, I appreciate the fact that you don't decorate your car. That's for you. Um, That's not for a lot you. of people do, and you're one of them. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is not a unusual decision to not decorate my car. But talk about. Burying the lead, the reason why I rush this out here is because there's a couple of really important injury updates and then just a a slew, a host of quotes that came out of today's practice we need your takes on. Let's start with the injury updates, and they're kind of interrelated, but DeMarcus Cousins, what's going on with him? Uh, DeMarcus is making really good progress. He fully scrimmaged today um, with with no issues. Uh, Kerr said he looked really good. Um, there's no timeline on him. I believe he's getting reevaluated, reevaluated along with KD on Wednesday. I would be surprised if he came back for game one, but there's still a chance. So the fact that he scrimmaged, because that's what I read, um, and I don't know what the hell, you know, how to synthesize this stuff. I read that he scrimmaged, that he was playing live basketball and assumed for sure he would be back game one. That's the wrong assumption. He might not be. I mean, I wouldn't assume anything at this point. Um, it's... It's possible, and if he does play, I would think it's very minimal minutes. You know, he, he, I don't expect him to start or anything. Um, but the fact that he's getting at least a few scrimmages in definitely puts him in a position to play if Kerr decides that he wants him to. 
I'm not positive how to ask this question, so I'm just going to come out and ask it. So I, I'm, I'm excited that he's coming back. It's great for DeMarcus. We were all worried about his professional future, and the idea that he's back on a basketball court this quickly is awesome for him. But I'm not sure it's awesome for the Warriors. All right? So let me just ask you, is it a good thing for the Warriors' title chances in your mind that DeMarcus will be back on the team? It's not a bad thing. Uh, I don't think that DeMarcus's return is honestly a make-or-break deal when it comes to their title chances. You could make the argument that Durant is, even Iguodala. Um, Iguodala is going to be fine, by the way, so I wouldn't even worry about that. But if they were missing Durant or Iguodala, that's a bigger deal um, because even though DeMarcus is a phenomenal player, the Warriors are well aware of how to play without him. In some ways, bringing him back you know, kind of messes with the rotation a little bit. Kavon's been pretty good. Uh, Bogey, especially, you know, past couple games has been good in his spots. So, um, you know, the reality is it never hurts to have a, someone as talented as DeMarcus if you need that low post presence in a pinch. And if they're facing Toronto, I think he matters more than if they're facing uh, Milwaukee because he's not a great matchup for Brook Lopez, but he's a solid matchup for Marcus. Let me follow that up with two crazy important questions. The first one might be the most important. Is it suffocatingly hot in this car? Or is that just me? I'm not hot at all. Uh, Cause I am sweating <laughs> like flop sweating. I may pass out at any second. Oh, here's, here's my follow up question. I need to and, use some CPR. <laughs> no, no CPR is necessary, yeah. but thank you for the offer. I'll probably just open a window. I'm not sure if CPR would help me with heat, but I appreciate the offer nonetheless. But the second question I was going to run by you. So here's the scenario, a worst case analysis. Tell me how wrong I am. DeMarcus comes back now and is still seeking a contract, right? He still wants an opportunity to prove to the rest of the NBA that he can make money now. The last thing he wants to do is go into another offseason knowing that he has to take a, a deal that is way below what he perceives to be his talent level. And he looks at the finals as a tryout. Right? right, and under that scenario, I can see him taking too many shots, trying to be too large of a percentage for the Warriors. Is that stupid? Am I am I being you know the chicken little with that take? No, that's that's a fair take. Um, I think that if and when he comes back, it's going to be a situation where he knows what the deal is, and he's going to be hyper aware of not doing too much. Right? Um, you know, this is a guy who. Played one playoff game, you know, even when he comes back, I don't expect him to be in 100% game shape. Um, and he knows that they've gotten this far without him. So he's not going to want to mess with anything. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think he just wants the peace of mind to be able to say, if and when he does leave the Warriors, you know what? At least I got to play in the finals. I think that's really all it comes down to. Makes he's sense. had a really tough year. He's had a lot he's gone through personally, and I think he just wants the peace of mind to say, I played in the finals, because the reality is, this is a guy who had never played in the playoffs his entire career, and he played one bad game, and then early in game two, got injured. So I think he just wants to not leave with a bad taste in his mouth. You and I actually did a podcast right after that injury. And what I remember is you started to talk or or brought up the idea that this may help Golden State keep him. And stupidly, I stopped you from talking about it. And I remember after we recorded, you were me like, dude, why didn't you let us go down that tangent? And it was a mistake. Let me do it now. Do you think this injury helps the Warriors maintain to Marcus, or is that still a, a pretty a, a foregone conclusion? He's out of here. 
Um, you know, it's an interesting question. Technically, it helps him just because you got to think his stock is not going to be nearly as high. Um, and so from a financial standpoint, they're in a position to more feasibly be able to afford him. Um, he, they, the Warriors can pay him, I believe, about $6.2 million. Um, given the injury, especially hypothetical, he doesn't come back in the finals. I got to think he's not commanding a ton more than that. Sure. Um, so if he really wants to play for the Warriors again, it could make more sense financially. Um, that being said, I would still be surprised to see him in a Warriors uniform next season. Um, I just don't feel like this experiment really worked out. I think the Warriors realize, and this is just based off more of my feeling watching them and being around them. No one has explicitly told me this, but I just, I feel like he wasn't a great fit, uh, not just defensively, but offensively. He's a guy who commands his own shot, commands plays being run for him. And when you have as much offensive talent as the Warriors have, that could be really awkward at times. And it got them out of what they want to do, which is move the floor, uh, move off the ball, spread the floor, move off the ball. So, um, I think they honestly, ideally, would like a more defensive-oriented start, starting center. There is all this stuff, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, but there's all these quotes today about how the outside media refers to the Warriors as the Warriors and KD, right? And that there's this big distinction and that they never actually played with one another. The reason I say it now is, really, I agree with what you just said about DeMarcus, and when you watch them play offensively with DeMarcus on the floor, it was the Warriors and DeMarcus. He, in a way that, that KD actually has been able to do, DeMarcus Marcus never did. He never fit in with the ball movement, heavy offensive style, right? When we went to him, it tended to bog down. And I tell you what, man, what's awesome, I feel so much more free talking about this stuff now. Now that the Warriors have kind of reminded us who the hell they are, yeah. you know, just with the core three, the core four, the, the guys who we've kind of grown up with, if he comes back, great. If he doesn't come back, I'm nowhere near as worried about it, but... Talk about not jumping to the main story. Give me a little something about KD. All right, let's start with his health. Where is that injury update? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I think he's a lot further behind where the Warriors initially thought he'd be, where he thought he'd be. You remember when it, when he first got injured, they came out and said it was a mild right calf strain. Which is not a medical designation. <laughs> it's not like that means absolutely They're, nothing. The interesting thing is they refuse to actually put a grade on it. In these situations, right. teams tend to say it was a grade two sp- strain. It was a grade one strain, but they refuse to put an actual grade on it. And right now, the fact that he's still out, you got to think it's at least a grade two. Okay. Connor, is this an Achilles? Is there, is there any, I mean, is there something in your mind that makes you feel like maybe this is not a calf? I don't think it's an Achilles. Uh, you know, I think they would have been honest about that. Uh, I don't think he's seen Achilles. The fact that he didn't fall to the floor when yeah. it happened, the fact that he was able to walk off on his own power yep. uh, makes you think it's not an Achilles. Uh, I don't think they'd lie about that. Um, that's not really, that's just not how they operate. So, and it would involve a lot, a lot, like a lot of people would have to lie at a lot of different levels right. to maintain something like this. You know? Right. I mean, KD was openly talking today about how relieved he was that right. it wasn't an Achilles. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm not under the belief that it is an Achilles, but I do think it's a more serious calf strain than we initially thought. Is he definitely coming back? I mean, the fact that he hasn't even, he hasn't even been cleared for like light shooting. Right. I mean, he hasn't returned to the core in any capacity. So usually in these situations, when you miss this much time, he's missed, you know, over two weeks at this point, you need to get cleared to 
you know, do some light shooting, do some non-contact work. Then you get cleared to do contact work. Right. You do some scrimmaging. And then you have to get your conditioning back. So it's usually this whole process. So first of all, the notion of him being back for game one, I mean, that's that's not happening. I mean, that right, he's officially unlikely, but he almost definitely is not playing in game one. And then game two is like two days later in Toronto. I would be I would be surprised if he even made the trip to Toronto huh. or Milwaukee for that matter, depending on who it is. Um, so I think best case scenario they're looking at game three, um, which which is possible. But um, you know, there's there's a big part of me that feels like they'll try to get him back, especially if for some reason they fall they fall behind sure, right. in this series. And just knowing his competitiveness, I, I got to think he's going to do everything he can. But there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to play at any point in these finals. If you had to guess, I heard you, the earliest he would come back is game three. If you had to guess, and we'll call it only that, it's a guess, when would you guess he comes back? I mean, I would guess three or four. Okay. Um, but... That would be, like I said, best case scenario. I'm starting to get into the vibe of this podcasting in a car scenario. By the way, I'm, I'm kind of, it's almost like that that Jerry Seinfeld show, comedians in a car. It's like assholes in a car instead of comedians, but it's right there. So I'm I'm enjoying it enough. Uh, there were some unbelievable quotes that came out of practice today. A lot of which you dropped in your article were one group until we're not. Why Curry's words on Durant are telling. And here's one from uh, KD talking about the media saying the Warriors are better without him. Quote, I turn on the TV. All you hear is the noise. As a player, I think about that. I'm just like, it's just not true. That's not facts when it comes to a basketball perspective. And obviously, we've we've been hearing the media. Everyone, it's everyone's favorite topic. Are the Warriors, in fact, better without Kevin Durant? Let me ask this. Do you think those questions are likely to make Katie want to stay or leave Golden State? I think it's more likely to make him want to leave. Uh, I actually think in some cases, and from a certain perspective, this is the worst thing that could have happened to the Warriors in terms of their chances of bringing him back <laughs> because he's had a ton of time to sit back and stew and go on social media and see all the speculation that the Warriors are better with him, better without him. You know, as I wrote today, they're 7-4 and four in the playoffs with him when he was averaging... 34.2 <laughs> points per game, dominating the league, and then without him, they're five and zero on the on you know getting ready for the their third straight. So what are you saying finals. with that stat, dude? Are you saying you're not saying that they're better with? I'm not Kevin saying Red. that they're better, but it's enough to definitely fuel speculation that they are. And there's nothing that's going to bother Kevin Durant more than the belief or even the conversation that. The Warriors are better without him because his big thing, the thing that he cares more about than anything else, is his legacy and believing that he's the greatest player to ever live, especially the greatest player of his generation, better than LeBron James. And he was just he was just starting to get there. You know, when he right before he got injured, for the first time, people were really saying, you know what? Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. Yeah. Because LeBron James was at home watching the playoffs from home and and he and Durant was dominating, and so for him to have to sit back and see Steph Curry play way better without him, see Clay Thompson play better, see Draymond play better, see the role guys step up, 
even though I'm sure he is happy for them on a certain level, I know I know he genuinely wants them to succeed. I do think there's that that part of him, his ego, where he's like, you know what? This just underscores why I gotta leave. Because if he's I've told everyone, and I think I've said on the pod, if he's gonna leave, he's gonna leave not because of Draymond Green, not because of Steve Kerr, not because of the front office, but because he feels the need to go somewhere and win a title as the guy to hopefully prove that he is the greatest player or one of the greatest players of all time. And I think this just shows, you know what, as long as I'm here, I'm never going to be the guy. And I think I think that, that makes him more likely to lose. That just feels so ridiculous to me. Here's why. The NBA history books are filled with guys who led teams to a championship, right? Every single champion has one guy who was probably the best player. We can we can pick those out. There's nothing that's in particularly distinctive about that. You know what the NBA history books don't have? People who have uh, anchored dynasties. People who have won five straight. People who have an opportunity to do exactly what the hell Kevin Durant has right now. And it feels like if he wants to cement his legacy, the legacy would be better cemented here here than anywhere else i mean am i crazy to say that am i off base i understand that logic but i don't think that's how he thinks yeah yeah i mean i i I guess we will find out together um he seemed to be in a crazy good mood today we were kind of talking about that before we got into this car but i mean did did his bright mood and his willingness to take on some of the critics and he also talked about how committed he has been to getting himself into this franchise and being a part of their fabric he had a lot of positive things did any of that make you feel like maybe he might stay um honestly no um it just kind of reinforced what I what I already knew, which is it's a. And I wrote about this today. It's an interesting kind of dichotomy because he refuses to say whether or not he's going to sign resign with the Warriors, yep. which would be very easy for him to do, or even just to express you know pleasure with his situation with the Warriors. <laughs> he refuses to do that. Yet he also very clearly wants to be core member of their fabric yep. which you can't really have it both ways i mean he if he leaves the summer he's just going to go down in the history books as a guy who was with the warriors for three years and won a couple titles you know and a, a really good player who won a couple finals mvps but he's not you know when they do the when they unveil the statues outside of the chase center there's not going to be a kevin durant statue it's going to be steph curry clay thompson draymond green um so what if we waited 10 years, 15 years and he stayed there? Wouldn't there be a Kevin Durant statue then? Yeah, but what are the odds of him staying in No, I mean I understand what you mean. Yeah, and- I mean, yeah, I think if I think if he finished his career with the Warriors and won another couple titles, for sure. For sure. He should, you know, if he stays another if he finishes his career with the Warriors, he should be considered a core guy. But right now, like if he leaves, you know, they were they were really good for two years before he got there, um, but they were really building it for a while. Um, and so he, you know, in terms of them building, that happened longer than sure. the time he's actually built the team. No, that's absolutely right. Um, give me a simple answer. Are the Warriors better without Kevin Durant? 
Um, I hate to steal your uh, argument here, but you, you you put it really well when we were talking before. Oh, you bastard! Because you know I was desperate to drop this thing. Go but ahead, take your take. from me. Go ahead. Uh, the Warriors are not better um, without Kevin Durant when they're playing the way they should play with Kevin Durant. There have been many times in this run where they're moving the ball, they're playing the way they want to play, and Kevin Durant is just a compliment to that. Yep. He's he's just part of the system. And um, it felt like in these playoffs and also the last playoffs that they kind of got away from that. Um, and it turned a lot into ISO ball with Durant and everyone else kind of standing around and watching. Yep. And that team would not beat this current iteration of the Warriors where they're moving the ball, they're playing great defense. Um, they've, everyone's kind of empowered without Durant. You have the bench really stepping up. That that version would not beat this version. But, you know, the reality is Kevin Durant is the greatest player in the world, and he has the ability to play the Warrior system, and when he is, they're unstoppable. Yeah, exactly right. And, I mean, if Kevin Durant's offense is a compliment to this uh, Warriors juggernaut, and then vice versa, if the Warriors juggernaut is a compliment to his offense, right? So that when he is playing, and he's the most efficient player on earth, and the ball is whizzing around, we are the most effective offensive team that I think the NBA landscape has ever seen. Right, but when his offensive talent is a distracting black hole, when we don't use it only as a bailout, when we go to it immediately, like we started to do during a lot of these playoffs, and the ball stops, then yeah, you know, I, I think you can see why we would be an easier team to guard. But I, it's a it's an easy question when they're playing better. I think the Warriors are better with Durant. And the other thing that you and I discussed in there was the one thing that is unequivocal. You know who is not better when Durant is on the floor is Steph Curry. Now, that yeah. I mean, we're just talking about individual accolades, and I am positive that Steph has no problem giving up that stuff, but the second that KD is not on the floor, we are reminded of who the hell he is, and I'll tell you what, I am so impressed with his patience, with his ability to hold his tongue. I mean, what this is showing is, while all of these asshats around the league, all these people on social media were saying you could never actually uh, come through in the big moment. You're not a finals MVP. The reason that was happening is because he was sacrificing himself for KD. This has been concrete proof of that, I think, and kind of one of the unintended upsides of KD's absence. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, The reality of the situation is there's a reason why Steph Curry won two MVPs, including a unanimous MVP, uh, right before Durant came on board, and then when Durant came on board, he's not even in the conversation. And you know, it's just it's hard to truly tap into the ultra elite level of potential that Curry has when you're with another superstar. That's and that's not even unique to Durant. I'm talking about like any other superstar right. that Curry played with. He just can't be at his best. I mean, uh, that's not a slight against Durant, um, but I think a lot of Warriors fans have really enjoyed seeing what. Curry has done. I mean, that series against Portland was the best series he has ever had. Yeah, right, right. And he's hurt, by the way. His yeah. is still, you know, effed up. So, yeah, it, it, I can confirm. He's also been really good defensively. Yeah, he has. No, he's been it's everything. It's not just the offense. Like, his defense has been the best I've seen it. 
He's, he's stepped up in every way. This is the perfect transition and the main quote I wanted to get to. Um, and also, by the way, if you yawn one more time, I will punch you right in your face. I was not yawning. Yeah, I feel like you were yawning. I was Maybe drinking. two or three, maybe two or three yawns. I felt like oh definitely happened. But with that in mind, here's the quote that I think spawned your article and one I really need your take on. So this is Steph Curry at practice today. Quote, I feel like for the last three years, everyone has taken their shots at trying to nitpick or break us down or drive a wedge in our team chemistry and togetherness. This year, it's been amplified even more with Durant's free agency stuff. Nobody can say anything without it getting scrutinized or criticized. We're a great team because everybody who puts on a uniform goes out and competes at a high level. We look out for each other. There's a little bit of sacrifice, and it's about winning. No matter who's on the floor, that's what we're about. So that question before about when Kevin gets back, are we going to be able to transition? Yeah, because we have that experience and capability to do so. And at the end of the day, we're one group until we're not. Okay. Yeah. There's the quote, all right? Yeah. And it's almost like there's two different quotes in there. Right. There, there's an unbelievable rah-rah, like, just togetherness quote that makes me, to borrow your phrase, want to run through a wall for Steph Curry. And yeah. then there's that end, as your article points out, the last six words. How did you, I mean, you were there, you heard yeah. it live. Take me through this quote. How do you perceive yeah, well, it? Well, when I heard it, I was super impressed. I thought it was leadership personified i thought um that's exactly what you need to hear from the leader of your team in that moment you know you have another star player who's out who you know is probably not feeling great not just about the fact that he has to sit out but uh you know the team is thriving in his absence and there's a lot of speculation whether or not the team even needs you sure and for to have him come out and be so strong in his defense of, of Durant and say it in such an eloquent, eloquent way was very impressive. Um, and I honestly didn't even notice that last part until I actually transcribed it. And when I transcribed it, it kind of hit me like a load of bricks. And I was like, wow. Okay. So just to read it again, at the end of the day, we're one group until we're not. What does that mean to you? I don't think the that wording, because that's not something that like people say in a very conversational way in that way I don't think that wording would happen if there wasn't fire to the smoke in terms of all the speculation with the free agency and all that I mean the reality of the situation is that the players the, the teammates of Kevin Durant are just as in the dark as we are yeah. about whether or not he is coming back <laughs> and so there, there is this kind of weird, like, vibe around the team entering the finals where it's like, you know what? We're going to win another title, but everything's probably going to change after this. So there's an awareness to that. I mean, and I thought that those six words were super telling of that. This entire quote, I mean, you know, it's, it's a long quote. It's a good 30-second quote. It's not even... The whole quote. So for for yeah. 29 seconds of the 30 seconds that I pulled out, he is saying, we're one group, we're one group, we're one group, we're one group, we're one group. And then for the final second of it, he says, we're one group until we're not. You know, and I, I don't think that was on accident. And I think of nothing else, it acknowledges that everyone is aware of the risk that he bounces. Even if it doesn't mean that he is trying to expose that he is definitely leaving, it certainly shows that this specter is hanging over the team and is not going anywhere anytime soon yeah no for sure it it just to me was kind of 
reinforcement that uh, this is real. You know, this whole thing is real. A lot of I've had I've had fans, uh, readers, be like, "You guys are making up a story. This is not real." It's real. I'm I'm there every day. This is this is a thing. Go to a game. So I, I went to game two to the Houston series, um, and Steph was having a hell of a game. And we started giving him an MVP chant. And I, I tried to lead it. I was all excited. And three or four MVPs in, I felt like I was chanting F you to Kevin Durant. And I don't know why. It should not feel like that. Yeah. But every time we, we pick out one of them to celebrate, it's as if we are picking yeah. between two people we're supposed to have a crush on. Right. And, and I, don't, I, I don't know if it's ever been like that with other teams. I don't know why it feels like that now. But it absolutely felt like that to me in the stands. And that was something... Curry said today was why you know can't people just be happy for us uh, mm-hmm. succeeding like mm-hmm. why can't it just be hey everyone's playing well this is great but instead it has to be oh you're playing well without Durant you know what does that mean for Durant yes right and I can understand his frustration there but that's kind of a utopian ideal you know like if you're at work and the head of your company uh, is on sabbatical and all the numbers go up. The sales go up. <laughs> everyone's doing real well. You're doing the best you did. This quarter is the best quarter you've had all year. Then everyone's going to look at that and say, you know who wasn't there for that? Oh, the boss. That's so bad. does that mean something? And add to that analogy that right before that boss took a break, everyone, the major news story was, I wonder how good they would be, how, how well that company would operate if that boss wasn't there. Yeah. You know, and then and they went through the roof, and then sales yeah. quadrupled when it ultimately happened. But we also have to look at whom they were playing, right? I mean, here, let me ask yeah. this. If Kevin Durant doesn't come back uh, for the finals, can they beat either Toronto or Milwaukee in your mind? I think they can for sure. Uh, I think, I think having Durant would help a lot, um, be specifically against those two teams as opposed to, you know, a Portland or a Houston because of the length. Because of the length and uh, how good they are defensively. Um, both Toronto and Milwaukee are very good defensive teams. I believe they have the best defensive rating, the top two defensive ratings in the postseason. Uh, Milwaukee's elite defensively, and it would be very helpful to have someone against those defenses who you can just turn to and, you know, sure. we can't score right now, man. Yeah. Can you just get some buckets, please? Yeah. <laughs> um, which is is the ultimate luxury that Kevin Durant provides, and I think they might need that at times in the finals. So even if they're moving the ball and all that, I, I think those teams are good enough defensively where – they're going to need that. So um, that being said, I do th- I do think they have a good shot of winning the finals without him against either of those teams. I think they probably have a better shot against Toronto. Um, and, it, you know, Toronto's up 3-2, so it's looking like odds are it'll be Toronto. Um, but I think if they have Durant, it goes from 
a little bit over 50% chance to like well over 50% chance. I kind of hope it's Toronto just so I can watch more quotes from Kawhi Leonard. Did you watch him after last night's game? Christian Ludlow asked him, what do you think the team's mentality is going into game six in Toronto? And he said, I don't know. I haven't been into the locker room yet. Is he, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a very... Is that all he said? Yes, he's a very interesting cat. She blinked at him a couple times. The interview I, ended and then <laughs> off he went into the locker room. Across to, I didn't see the interview. I, I saw like I saw people doing memes and stuff, but I didn't actually watch the interview. Props to Christian Ludlow. I'm sure she handled that situation very well. Uh, it's it's times like... like the 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 sideline reporter is a job where I think a lot of people are like, oh that's so easy but then every once in a while that person is put in a really difficult spot like that or <laughs> like the Richard Sherman situation um, yes. a few years back where it's like you have to be truly professional and good at your job to be able to handle that. Um, well, so. I really appreciate you laughing as I told you the quote from uh, Kawhi because I was sitting in the room with my wife and it happened. I start laughing hysterically and then I immediately rewind it and force her to watch it and she didn't find it funny at all and was kind of pissy that I forced her I to watch like it. I feel like you need to understand Kawhi to think it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. He just seemed I, crazy. It was a yeah. weird, crazy answer. What I can tell you for certain is that Erica did not find it funny. So I don't know if she understands Kawhi I don't know, or not. I yeah, she does not find it funny in any way. Take us out this way. Who comes out of the East? Uh, I mean, Toronto. I mean, it's usually there's been a lot of number. I think I think I saw a number. I think it's like eighty percent when you go up three two. Okay. Um, the odds are very much in Toronto's favor. It's just it's just hard to win two in a row, especially at Game Seven in that other team city. Um, so I would I would think. I would think Toronto, but if any team's capable of coming back, it's Milwaukee. I, I think Milwaukee's the better team. Um, I really do. But, you know, Kawhi's been on one. I'd ask you for a finals prediction, but we will undoubtedly drive this car somewhere and record another pod in it during the finals, before the finals. So we'll save that prediction for that. Instead, what I'll ask you is, if people want to check out that article I mentioned, which was awesome, any of your work, the pod, anywhere, where should they look? Uh, sfchronicle.com backslash warriors uh, find me on twitter con underscore cron uh, I also have my own podcast we've been doing a ton of episodes throughout the playoffs uh, warriors off court you can find that on itunes also on sf chronicle so um, yeah no, thanks for having me always fun to be with you come on man of course that was way too formal you don't have to thank me for being on this damn show you're basically a co-host for us you want to reach out we can be hit up at warriorshuddle at gmail.com if you want to find us on our twitter account it's at warriorshuddle if you want to find me I'm generally parked in suffocatingly hot cars somewhere yeah, in Alameda it is so hot in here what are you talking about it's like a thousand degrees in here with that in mind go warriors and hopefully we'll see you real soon Good, good. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.